Well, let's get started. Romans 8, 14 to 17. Super fun topic. Good morning. So, if you've looked at your paper, you can see that I have lots of words on there that have a question. So I want you to really think um, about your answers, okay? We don't want to just give a uh, Sunday school answer, even though this is Sunday school. Let's, uh, yes, all right? So um, don't, don't give answers that you think might, ju- well, that sounds like it's going to be the correct one. Let's really think about... Um, the questions and what's what's being said in these verses. Okay, so Romans chapter eight and verse fourteen starts off for all who are being led by the Spirit of God. Okay, being led by the Spirit of God. What what is Paul saying here? What does it mean to be led? Led by the Spirit of God. Go ahead. Okay, so what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? First thing we we recognize is those that are what? Believers are the only ones that are led. Okay? But I want to capitalize on the the word led. What does he mean by led? How does the Spirit lead? What do we think? How does the Spirit lead? Straight ahead? Okay. Alright, so your first one, the Spirit is not, what do you think that would be? You have no idea. Crystal ball. The Holy Spirit is not a crystal ball. Okay, it's not something. Or the the Holy Spirit isn't a a person where uh, we 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 rub the Bible and He gives us direction on what house to buy, what car to buy, who to marry. We don't see that in Scripture. That's not the function of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't lead us in all of those ways. He leads us. Differently, he does not lead us how to, like I said, buy homes, what wife or husband to marry, all of those. There's wisdom in Scripture, and that's what we're going to to find the function of the Holy Spirit in His leading. But the first thing I wanted to really make sure that we're aware of, because there is a belief out there and there's a, a thinking out there, will the Holy Spirit led me to do X, Y, Z? That would be an incorrect thought process. The Holy Spirit didn't lead you to go to Walmart or lead you to go to this place or that place. The leading, and, and we often find this said in, um, in terms that are, um, we do see in Scripture that where the Spirit is leading. But these are unique and special, right? We see it in the the book of Acts with Paul. Paul was heading to a location and he got the Macedonian call, right? And the Holy Spirit led him to a different location. We don't see that happening today with us. We don't don't get uh, the Spirit leading and saying, Joe, you need to do X, Y, Z. Okay? That's not how the Spirit leads. So, in understanding that, um, there's also other people that have said, the, the Spirit led me to do uh, something that was wrong. I was led by the Spirit to do something that was wrong. And, and this is a common thing. You also find pastors. Pastors, missionaries, it's a very common thing for missionaries to say, I was led by the Holy Spirit to go to China. Um, you, you have to be very careful with that because nowhere in Scripture uh, do we see uh, a mission field to China, right? And this is going to make sense as we understand the function of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, 
the, uh, as we get into this, you'll see, okay? So I want everyone to turn to Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1. And your first two blanks are going to be functions of the Holy Spirit, okay? Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 17. Ephesians 1 and verse 17. What are two functions of the Holy Spirit yeah, that we see in that verse? Wisdom, okay? The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. Chapter, seven, or chapter 1, verse 17. Your first blank there is crystal ball. Okay, so Mike said wisdom. Okay, we see wisdom in there. What is the next? What is the next uh, area where we see the Holy Spirit works? Okay. Yep. Okay. So he reveals the knowledge of God or of Jesus uh, to us. Okay. So. Wisdom we see from Scripture. Okay, we get we get wisdom. So the Holy Spirit is giving us wisdom from Scripture, not just worldly wisdom. Okay, and you will be wiser the more you study the Word of God, and it illuminates to us. He reveals to us the Holy Spirit. Or he reveals to us God, the knowledge of God. Okay. Flip over just a, a page to Ephesians 3 and verse 18. Ephesians 3 and verse number 18. What does the Holy Spirit do in this verse? It's right in the first few words. Yeah, it helps us comprehend. Okay? Helps us comprehend. What about verse 19? That's your next blank. Verse 19 of chapter 3. What does he do? Helps us in... Yeah, knowing the love of Christ. Okay? So these are the functions of how the Spirit leads us. And then uh, Colossians 1 and verse 9. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 9. <clears throat> what does the Spirit do there? It ties in with Ephesians 17. 1 and verse 9. Colossians 1 and verse 9. <clears throat> yeah. Gives us wisdom and understanding. We can know His will through the Word of God. Okay, so... When we look at Romans 8 and verse 14, it says, What does our, those that are led by the Spirit, okay, are sons of God? And we'll get there just in a second. The leading is specific to Christians, and it's through the Word of God, okay? The Holy Spirit leads us. Through the Word of God. And we're going to get to there uh, later down in our, our lesson some more. Okay, But it's important that we realize up front that this leading is not a crystal ball leading where um, if you hear someone say, God led me to buy this car or buy this land, that would not be correct. Okay, Because how would that happen? Explain to me, outside of a feeling, which is a dangerous way to live your life, right? Because your feelings can cause you, I can feel really good, and I need to buy a Tesla. Because I feel really good about that car, right? <laughs> yes, he, he really liked the Teslas.
through Scripture. So what, what, should, was, it would be a wise idea. You guys don't know exactly my financial stasis, but would anyone in here say it would be a good idea for me to buy a Tesla where the price ranges around eighty to $90,000? Okay. That's right. Okay. Now, I have an expensive truck, but the truck has a purpose, all right? But to buy an expensive car, just to buy it, wisdom is going to be given to us through scriptures. Now, if I was a multimillionaire, it's different, right? I can afford. Yeah. So, and, that's, and that's where you're getting your wisdom from. So going to China, okay? I saw you kind of look at me like the missionary said, um, I, I feel the Lord leading me to China. Well, how, how, would you, how would you be able to say, specifically China, God said you're going there? Okay, but is that, how, how do we say that that is specifically led by the Spirit? Okay, but that's specific to Paul as a, you know, remember Acts is not normal. Okay? Acts is a very abnormal book, and it's the God does things different in Acts. Okay? We don't see, because that was a specific account where Paul was hindered from going to a, a location uh, by the Spirit of God. We don't see... We, now, he can hinder, and he can guide us, but it's not in a way that we're going to hear audibly... It's not something that I can say, you know, there's, there's not a missionary out there that can say 100% guarantee that the Spirit said I should go to China. Okay, that's what I'm trying to get out. The Spirit does lead, but it's not leading in, in the way that we would say, He's told me you're going to China. There's doors that open. God uses means as maybe uh, a missionary from China comes to church and speaks, and you know the spirit is moved with inside, and he, you know, there's a maybe a drawing to that location. You know, Jeremy talks about it. Uh, sometimes we're led to a location based upon just the need. There's a need there, and I feel like I could be uh, of use in that ministry, in that need, going to Utah, okay? And now, nowhere did I ever feel, now I came here with my dad, but I never felt like the Spirit said, you need to be in Utah. But there's doors that open, and so on and so forth. But <clears throat> that one's a little bit tricky, because we don't know exactly, because Scripture doesn't tell us exactly how the Spirit leads in those ways, but we do know He doesn't do it audibly, and he gives us wisdom through the Word of God, okay? And so there's factors, you know. Um, is it, there, there's factors in choosing a location for ministry. Um, you have to factor in, for me, my wife and two children and how that's going to affect them. And that's an important aspect, okay? Joseph would have much more freedom to choose a place of um, because he doesn't have children and a wife to worry about, okay? And so, and that's what we uh, talked about a few weeks ago in Corinthians, where Paul says, I wish everyone could be like me. So there's wisdom that God gives through the illumination of Scripture. Why that this is important is, and again, I, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself, so I don't want to go there yet, okay? Because then I won't have nothing to say when I get to that section. So, now I don't, I want you, I want to be clear in that though, that we don't, the, God does give us wisdom in buying a car and buying a house and those things, but it's not, we're not led by the hand, by the spirit to buy X car or whatever. God, you know, there's wisdom through understanding of the word of God, being wise with finances, seeking, what does the scripture say about doing things, seeking yeah, we seek counsel, okay, and we go and uh, we hear the counsel of, of wise men and women on these situations, and then the, you know, we, we can make a decision based upon that, okay? So for, yes ma'am, no, you don't have to, I love questions and, and comments, yes ma'am. 
He, he, he gave you a sign, it looks like, right? And, you know, and he does work in ways that we can't understand. But could you sit in your seat, and this, this is what I want to get at mostly, okay? There are some definitive things that we can say about how the Spirit leads, right? And we just went over there. He gives us wisdom through the Word of God. He reveals the knowledge of God. He works in ways through the Scripture. But could you sit there and tell us, 100% the Spirit led me to Utah because the house blew off. Some of that circumstances, now we can... Right, Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that we just discard everything, but we have to be careful that we, tie, we don't always just tie, I was praying and this happened, and so, therefore, this must be the leading of the Holy Spirit, because that could not be the case as well. Good work. You're getting ahead of my lesson. <laughs> You're getting ahead in my lesson. All right, that's on the back side of your page. It's right, it's right there, all right? Okay, so that's why I kept saying I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, all right? But, very good, okay? So, led by the Spirit, and we'll get into that as we go farther, because this is how the Spirit works in the Christian's life, okay? Now, who, uh, how do we know that we are sons and daughters of God, Okay? How do we know that? Well, it ties, up to ver- it ties up to the beginning of the verse. How do we know that we're sons or daughters of God? So for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, those are sons, okay, and I threw in daughters, um, sons of God. So if you're being led by the Spirit, okay, being led by the Spirit. Now, your first point says, Sons of God, obey the leading of the Spirit of God. Sons of God, obey the leading of the Spirit of God. Okay? And, can, and, the, and it could even said they are led or they understand Scripture. Sons of Satan, because that's the only alternative you have. You're either a son of God or a son of Satan. Obey the leading of the flesh. Though, and, and I have this as just a point underneath that. Those that are living in the flesh cannot be led by the Spirit okay, of God. They, you cannot be led by God. You cannot. And, and a way that we know that we're being led by the Spirit of God is that the Scripture is brought to life to us, that we can understand the Scripture. Those that are dead in their trespasses and sins cannot understand Scripture and will not understand Scripture. Okay? It's absolutely not there. Um, and we, we've gone over that multiple times where the wisdom, of the, uh, the wisdom of the Bible, the wisdom of the Word is counted as foolishness to those because they cannot understand it, right? That is what's said about those that live in the flesh or the unregenerate. They cannot understand the things of the Bible. Now, they can get um, basic truths from the Bible, Okay? The lost, the unregenerate human can get basic truths from the Bible, but they cannot fully comprehend and understand the wisdom because that is the purpose of the Spirit of God. One of the purposes of the Spirit of God is to teach and guide us in the things of God. So how do we know that we are sons of God or daughters of God is because we can understand Scripture and the Spirit leads us in that. Alright, so that's what Paul is, is driving at here. Now getting into verse, unless there's any questions. Is there any other questions? And how do we, how do, we do that? How do we know? I guess my question is, what, how do we know to repent? But how do you know how to do that? The Bible teaches it. <laughs> the pastor. So, 
right? Yeah, but how do we know to repent? The Bible tells us to repent, right? How do we know? Well, yes, but the Bible it talks about repentance in in forms in the, throughout Scripture. Okay, so Scripture leads us to how we should live the Christian life, and that is where the Spirit aids us. Okay, it's not it's not a how-to book to run your business and all of the ins and outs of everything, okay? It's not a how-to book to run a, uh, a uh, uh, mechanic shop. Now, can we get wisdom out of it? Yes. How to run certain aspects of it, business, and ethically, and so on. But where Mike is getting, which is exactly what the Spirit's function is, is to teach us through the Word of God that we should repent, that Jesus is the only truth there is. Uh, and we find all of that through Scripture. So the Spirit's function is to illuminate and bring the Scriptures to life to each individual. Why that's such a big deal is that cannot happen to an unregenerated person. A person that is not regenerated won't be able, the scripture doesn't come alive to him and he doesn't hold on to those truths. Uh, you know, that we have documented men that um, know, have memorized Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and know it verbatim, uh, have been, they were one of the greatest. Uh, or worst men in the Holocaust as far as murdering Jews knew or had memorized Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Obviously, it had not affected him because the Spirit did not illuminate to him. It's not good to murder people, okay? And we do what our nature is inclined to do, and those that are lost, their nature is not to please or to repent or to live in a way that would... Um, encourage us to be Christ-like. And that's what was going to get into here as we get into verse 15. What does it mean when it says the spirit of fear? Okay, So, for we have not received the spirit of slavery leading, uh, leading to fear again. Okay, So Paul starts off verse 15 saying, you have not received a spirit, and this is, uh, Dean went over this last week, this is a small s, okay, so this is referring to our spirit. He is not re we have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. What, what do we think is being said here? What would be the fear Fear of death. Fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Someone grab Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15. Okay, so this is what Paul is referring back to, what, or referring, there's a reference to what Paul is saying here in Hebrews as well, that. We have not been given that uh, spirit of slavery that leads to fear in death. Okay, The unregenerated person lives in fear of death because they don't know what's going to happen after. They, they, they live in a way that is fearful. Um, when my dad died, um, right before he, when he actually died, he was on a ventilator so he wasn't able to speak or communicate but before then he did not want to die because he didn't want to leave his family but he wasn't fearful of death because he knew where his home is see okay so you have a misunderstanding of the fear of god the fear of god is not a fear that he'll turn my water off if i don't obey it's a reverence 
Okay, so when Scripture uses certain words, it doesn't always mean exactly what that. We should not, and we'll, we'll see that as we get into this even farther, just in the next section, but it's not a fear of trembling in front of God as if I don't obey Him, He's going to take me out or punish me greatly. It's a reverence and honor. Uh, that is what the Scripture talks about when it says the fear God. We are to fear him in reverence and honor because of who he is, not because of what he is going to do to us. Okay? The beginning of wisdom. Yeah. Okay? So, yeah, fearing God is not something that we do um, uh, as believers. Now, fearing God as an unbeliever, yeah, that, that's the fearing the wrath of God. Okay, there's a big difference between fearing God as his child, as we're going to see here in a second, and fearing God as an unbeliever, because we're going to get the wrath of God as an unbeliever. So there is a definite fear of God as an unbeliever. As a believer in God, we uh, have the opportunity to call him Father. So fun funny story. I'm in the shower. Our wall is right next to where the kids' um, playroom, schoolroom is. Okay, and they're banging on the wall because they know we can hear them. Bang, 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 bang. Kayla is. Jessica, I'm I'm in the shower. Jessica is uh, doing her hair and so on and so forth. And she tells Michaela, "Stop banging on the wall." I don't know four or five times. Kayla's still playing. All I say is, "Quit." And it stops completely. <laughs> All right. So there, there's a, you know, the father has that um, ability. And, it, and you know, there, it's right. It's that fear. There, you know, children typically, now there are some moms that instill fear in their children. But most of the time that is the, the father, right? All right. And so, um, uh, but that's the idea. They, they don't fear me because I'm going to come out and grab my belt and beat them half to death, right? They fear uh, because they know the authority has said to stop. And although she is an authority, uh, especially with Michaela now because she's the same size as mom, uh, she uh, tends not to think that she has to listen. So anyways, funny story. So... But this is that we have not been given the spirit of fear uh, as we had when, before we were saved. That's not the spirit we've been given. We've been given, but it says here in the latter part of verse 15, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we can cry out, Abba, Father. Okay, Very, very uh, super important. Super important phrase there, okay? Um, what does it mean when it says the spirit of adoption? Okay, and this is, I, I remember at the beginning, I asked you to really think about what you're, how you want to phrase, um, what does it mean when it says the spirit, small s, of adoption, what is, what is Paul getting at when he uses that phrase? What's he saying? What's, he, what's his uh, intent here? Okay, so, so the Spirit, the Spirit of adoption, what I have here is an incredible realization that God has... Um, uh, brought us into his family it's the spirit of adoption is that it's not talking about um, necessarily the act of adoption or the regeneration it's the spirit of that understanding the spirit gives us the understanding of that incredible god of the universe is our father and has adopted us he, that's what that spirit function the he's given us the spirit of understanding uh, that is what I found in several of the um, books that I was reading. Is It's an understanding of um, this God that has he, the, this adoption that we don't deserve. And I, and I researched and did some stuff on adoption. 
what do we what do we think of? What do you guys think of when you think of adoption? What what are some what are some things that come to your mind when you hear the word adoption? Okay. Good. Where did she adopt them from? She adopted them. They're the kids from the U.S. or the outside. Are they? She had them as foster children. Okay. So what are what are some what is a common thought? Now that that's great. Okay. What's a, Yeah. Okay. Okay, so oftentimes, yeah, th- these are all things that we think of. Sometimes there's a scary element to it, right? Especially what, 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 ch- what kind of children do we not see adopted very often? Teenagers, right? Because you're not sure what you're going to get, right? You could get uh, something a little scary, all right? And so you're, you're adopting uh, the personality of the parents uh, or whatever. You know, you, you're, you're kind of, it's a... Uh, crapshoot, I guess, would be the, the deal as far as what, unless it's an infant, um, of what you're going to get as far as personality, so on and so forth. The Jewish culture, and we'll get this uh, as we get going down, the Jewish culture didn't really have a concept of uh, adoption. It wasn't something they did a lot. Roman culture, on the other hand, which Paul was a Roman citizen and he's writing to the people in Rome, Romans had a very... Um, interesting view of adoption okay the the view of adoption for the romans is like in my case i would seek to adopt a male child because i only have girls to carry on my bloodline and uh it was i would seek out someone um and for instance we'll just say i seek out um dean and i say hey i want to adopt charlie and I'm going to give you X amount of dollars for him. And there would be an agreement made. And uh, that they would be willing, and this was commonly done, they would be willing to give up Charlie into my home. Losing all of, Charlie would lose all of the rights to Dean's family and would inherit all of my rights as a complete heir of my estate. And would carry on my bloodline. Uh, and that's the way that it worked in um, the culture. In Israel, you had a different idea of uh, the firstborn of the family was the one that inherited everything. Okay, They, they got everything. Um, that's why it was such a big deal. Roman culture, the it was distributed to everyone equally. Okay, And so, Paul is specifically using words that were very uh, normal phrases and normal understanding. And that's the reason why he uses the word adoption is because it's something that was sought out specifically for, um, to carry out that person's bloodline and continue to carry out their family. Okay, And so as we read down through here, um, it, it's really going to illuminate what, how this translates into our salvation and our adoption, understanding that the Roman culture, and there's a lot that goes into it um, as far as <clears throat> what all happened with the adoption. I don't want to get into all that today, but so we are given the spirit of adoption, understanding that God the Father chose us specifically as his children and then says uh, as sons by which we cry out Abba Father that word Abba Father is the same phrase or the same idea that we have today as if we were to say daddy or papa okay when my children call me dad it's sweet when my children call me daddy there's a level of sweetness that's even closer. There's an intimacy with my children when we use the word daddy or papa. There's that 
There's just a closer intimacy. And that is what's being said here, is that we have the right to call him the same thing that Jesus did. The same thing that Jesus. We have the same rights to God as Jesus did. And how do we know that? Because Paul says here, as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. If we go to Mark, chapter number 14. Mark chapter number 14, verse 36. Mark 14. Someone grab Mark 14, 36. This is in the garden. He's praying to God that maybe I, I, you know, struggling with going to Calvary and going through what he was going to go through. This is what he says uh, when he's referring to his father. Okay? Okay, so the response that Jesus has to God in the garden before he goes to trial and all of the things he was going to partake on our behalf, he refers to him as Abba, Father. This intimate relationship that the Son has with the Father is the same relationship that we have with God the Father. This is what is given to us in this adoption. Okay? Another uh, security or another understanding of how we know we are saved is we see this, and this was brought up last week in uh, our Sunday school class, is Romans 8.16, okay, our next verse. What does it mean when the Spirit testifies to us? What does it mean? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's only one rightful uh, heir, and that's Jesus, right? And, but we are given, um, and we'll see that in verse 17 here, okay? But what does, it, what does the Spirit testify to us that we are His children, okay? Verse 16, the Spirit, uh, the Spirit, uh, capital Spirit, the Holy Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit uh, that we are children of God. How does that work? How do we know that? And this is why I was struggling because uh, it ties in to verse 14, okay? <laughs> That's why I was wanting to uh, go, it was going back and forth there. But how do we know that? Okay? And it's through the Word of God, okay? The Spirit testifies and communicates, and your blanks there are by the Word, through the Word, and never against the Word of God, okay? By the Word, through the Word, and never against the Word of God. That is how. How do we know that we're a child of God is because we can understand the words of God. This is, this is, if this isn't a big deal to you, it should be, okay? Before salvation, when we read the book of Romans, we said, what? Uh, okay, that's weird. <laughs> that's really, right? Before salvation. So if you're sitting in here today and your thought process in the book of Romans is, this is kind of just weird and dumb, you're probably not saved because the Spirit testifies of the Word through the Word and it never tells you to do something like you brought up against the Word of God. So, the, and very important, that is how we know that we're saved and that testifying that the Spirit speaks to our spirit and how it does that is through the illumination of the Word of God. They, they communicate within, uh, within our, our, ourselves. Okay? We have the indwelling of the Spirit. And how do you know that? It's because you can understand and cherish and love the Word of God. You're not going to do that as an unbeliever. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2, 14. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, and then someone else grab Galatians 5, 22 to 25. 
Okay, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the testifying, all of this is the inner workings of the Scripture in our life and how we, to, how we are to live. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 2.14. When you got it, read it. Okay, so what this is telling us is that the, un- the person that is unsaved cannot discern or know the, spirit, the things of the, of the Word of God. So the opposite of that it must be true, right? For those that know God, those things will be brought to life and you will understand them and they won't be foolishness. Okay, and then this is the way in which we live uh, because of the spirits leading in our life is what we see in Galatians five twenty two through twenty five. Galatians five twenty two through twenty five. Okay, so the spirit is who leads us in all of those aspects of life. Okay, that is how we know. Those are the way. That's how the spirit works with our spirit is by illuminating the Word of God, leading us in the Word of God, and guiding us uh, how we should live the Christian life. The Spirit's, one of the primary jobs of the Holy Spirit is to guide us on how to live in this new family that we're in. And what is the rule book of the new family that we're in? It's right here. And so the Holy Spirit, one of His jobs is now that you're adopted into this new family, I'm going to tell you how to live. And I'm going to show you how to live. That is His, one of His primary responsibilities and jobs is to conduct us and teach us how to live. Okay? Very important. Very, very important aspect. And the way that if you're struggling with your salvation, you can know that you're saved because the Spirit interacts with your spirit and illuminates the Word of God. And if you say, well, man, then I don't know if I'm saved because there's parts of the Bible that I don't understand. (laughs) I'm that way too, all right? (laughs) So it doesn't mean that we're going to have a full understanding. There's men that have studied their entire lives and still have no idea what certain passages are truly saying, okay? But we will have a greater understanding and a more full understanding of Scripture because of the Spirit's leading. And that takes effort on our part, okay? We're not going to understand the Scripture just because the Spirit lives in us. We have to do what with it? You have to read it, right? (laughs) You can't understand something you don't read, all right, it doesn't just uh, through Sunday morning, Sunday school, and, and the preaching is how that works. It, you must spend time learning how to be a member of this new royal family you're in. Kayla brought up a point to us the other day. We we're sitting around the table. She said, we would not do well in a royal setting dinner setting because we don't eat proper. We slouch. We have our elbows on the table and... Okay, so the understanding here, she's learning this stuff through school. Um, and I said, yeah, well, that's okay. Um, but the, the, the kind of the same idea. We were adopted into a royal family. You think of, you know, maybe Moses, right? Moses was adopted into a royal family, and he had to live as a royal uh, person and learn the ways of royalty uh, in his situation. Okay? He didn't live as the peasant that he came from as a, a slave. He, uh, and that's how do we do that is by the illumination of the scriptures uh, through the Holy Spirit. We learn how to live as children of God. Very important. Okay? And then verse 17. Excellent, amazing verse. Okay? If, and if children, then heirs also, heirs of God, and this, this part right here is amazing, okay? We're not just heirs, we're fellow heirs with Christ. Fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer, and we'll get to that one in just a second. Alright, what, what do we think Paul um, intends by the word heir? Okay, and we talked about this a minute ago. 
the Jews, the firstborn was, the firstborn male was uh, heir to everything, okay? We see that throughout the Old Testament, okay, and how big of a deal that was. What is one of the instances that's a really big deal that we see uh, in the Jewish nation of this firstborn? Yeah, Jacob and Esau, okay? Jacob was what? Second born, okay? So this was a big deal, all right? And God chose him. So it's a huge deal. And as I already mentioned, in the Roman culture, um, the inheritance is very similar to the way it is here in the United States, uh, where it's an equal. um, I don't know if they had the right to choose, you know, one God. Because in the United States, we can kind of choose who gets what and all that, I don't know. But I know that it wasn't just given to the firstborn. It was uh, equally distributed out. And why do I want to mention that? <laughs> well, because the Scripture says we're fellow heirs with Christ. Equal. We're equal heirs. Okay, do we realize who God is? Who is God? God is the God of the entire universe, okay? He holds the world as a footstool, right? The water of the world can fit in the palm of His hand. He created all the stars in the heavens. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. Okay? We're not talking about just some, you know, king down the road here. You know, we're not talking about the President of the United States. We're talking about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Creator, the, the, the one whose house is made of pure crystal gold, has a pearl, one pearl as a gate, okay? We are heirs with, we are fellow heirs to that. The God of the entire universe. Us lowly, wicked, worm sinners are on the same status as Christ as far as an heir. That doesn't run chills down your spine. I don't know what will. Okay. Um, verse to that, Hebrews 1, verse number 2. Hebrews 1 and verse 2. Someone grab that real quick. Hebrews 1 and verse 2. Okay. So what does it say there? Through Him He appointed heirs of all things. So if Christ is heir of all things, then what are we? Heirs of all things, because we are fellow heirs with Christ. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's humbling. That's a very good word for that. It's humbling. Very much. Very much so. Understanding the status that we live on. Especially when you, you're coming out of chapter 7, right? Or you recognize how wicked you are and how that you constantly are struggling with your sin and that you're always wanting to go back into that old lifestyle of sin and rebellion. And then you come to chapter 8 and you find that we can cry, Abba, Father, and we have the same inheritance through Christ that Christ does. Wow, this is an amazing, uh, uh, yeah, it's mind-blowing, really, okay? It's mind-blowing. Then he ends the, the verse and says, If indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. Okay? Another way that we can know that we're saved is that we're going to suffer. Okay, we've got four verses, or four chapters, or four references to read here. So, first one, Matthew 5, 10 through 12. So someone grab Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Yes, those are the blanks. These, ver- these references are your blanks. They're at the very bottom. What is the proof of a Christian's life that we suffer with him? Okay, Matthew 5, 10 through 12. John 15, 18 and 19. 2 Corinthians 4.17 2 Corinthians 4.17 2 Timothy 
3 and verse 12. All right, so some, who, who has Matthew? Okay, who has John? Okay, is that you, Jess? Okay, Jess, Second uh, Corinthians, Mike, and then you can get Second Timothy, okay? All right, so we'll go ahead and read Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Okay, so you're blessed with that, and it also is in reference that this is going to happen because you are a believer. So don't don't be surprised in it. Okay, John 15. Okay, so again, no, that is John 15, 18 through 19. Okay. Second uh, Corinthians. Okay. So in seventeen it says, "So that we may be glorified with Him." So the suffering with Him, so that we will glorify with Him. Second Corinthians four seventeen says, "A momentary affliction, okay, will result in." Uh, a wonderful, glorious uh, time in heaven with him. All right, and then Second Timothy three twelve. Okay, so those that desire to live for Christ will suffer persecution. Okay, that's not a downer. That's not something we should leave here thinking. Well, that's a, not the way I wanted to leave. No, this is all good. Okay, Why is it good? Because it's proof that we are His children. And that is such an important aspect, especially in our world today where so many people are wondering how I know that I am saved. How do we know we're saved? Because the Spirit leads us. We're, uh, we, we, the Spirit talks with our spirit and leads us in understanding the Word of God. We're persecuted. Okay, The Scripture is brought to life to us. And now that we are chosen by God and adopted, the Spirit endeavors to teach us how to live as a part of the new royal family. The royal family of God. Good stuff. Okay. Can we close this mic?